Hey besties, welcome back to another episode of Wellness Through Reading. I am your host, Tanisha. Today's episode is all about morally gray characters and why we love them. Let's dive in. So these past couple of months, I've been really getting into just understanding a new term in the book world called the morally gray man and woman. And this is a character who feels really incredibly human, but often someone who tries to do right, but fails and falls into bad tendencies. As a reader, you may not necessarily agree with their actions or morally gray character, but you can see how their past experiences and inner moral compass compels them towards these, those choices. To emphasize this further, morally gray characters are those whose behavior discourages readers from identifying them as either purely evil or purely good. They can be the main character, the villain, the side character, but ultimately they are the ones keeping us guessing as to what they are going to do in any given situation and often have the most compelling character arcs. And so I'm not talking about necessarily a straight up villain redemption arc here. I have complex feelings on that part, but it's a discussion for, which is a discussion for another time and another podcast. As we like to think of terms in black and white, the word shades of gray more on that later things are never so cut and dry and honestly that would make the books really boring this applies to people too we all have read books where characters fall flat and feel very one-dimensional they're either all really really good all really really bad and for me that just lacks a lot of it lacks a lot of complexity you know what are those characters desires why do they do the things they do where did that come from you know what happened in their story arc that made them who they are how do they develop these morals why have these morals ever been challenged or tested? How do you know your morals are good if they've never been tested, if you never challenge them? And I think a big component of growing up and becoming an adult is learning to think for yourself, learning to come up with your own ideas and values that may or may not, you know, coincide with the worldwide view of what it should be. When a character learns that they've been on the wrong side of history and been fed lies, you know, that for me is much more interesting to read about, wow, you know, I've been thinking this way this whole time, but really it should be this way, or maybe it should be this way. And when characters do a bad thing, but it's for a good reason, you know, those internal conflicts make a character, whether hero or villain, a thousand times more interesting to read. A great key component of a morally great character is one that is very much so unpredictable. With a righteously good character or a righteously or an unholy evil character, there is no correction about what the character will do in any given situation. And there is little to no discussion or struggle on that part because, you know, in a put in a situation, choose right or wrong, they're going to choose right, they're going to choose wrong. And again, that's kind of boring, predictable, and it will make me want to put the book down very quickly. I don't like villains like that. They're just stereotypical bad guys with mustaches trying to tie the woman up to the railroad tracks. Because again, the ones who sold characters is being just plain evil. That's their motivation. That's what they do. The ones without clear motivation for their actions. Because right or wrong, everyone has a motivation behind the things that we do. And to the person breaking social norms or laws, they are doing the right thing. Remember, the villain is always the hero of their story. They just happen to end up on the wrong side of things. Think about the most shocking plot twist that you've read in the past couple of years and what it reveals you've read. I bet a lot of them come from a character doing something you weren't sure they would do. A fantasy prince who marries for royal advantages. Um, 
a rebellious leader who acts who actually is as rebellious as everyone says he is, but he's doing it for a right reason. A multi-billionaire who seems to have it all together, but has some very interesting tastes after dark. And a search and rescue man who saves children and women from being abused, but then stalks some grown woman in her house at night. Yeah. These men are definitely, definitely morally gray. Their moral ambiguity, ambiguity there you go, leads to character development. And seriously, I found the moment a character's goal becomes unclear, that makes it much more interesting to Because like I said in the beginning, no one's all that good and no one's all, all bad. Human beings lie somewhere in between. And that is why I wanted this week's episode to be about four, actually five. What's that? Five. Yeah. No, it's my podcast. So we're going to do five morally gray characters. Some of these characters range from rated R to PG-13. Eh, and G. Starting with number one, we have Severus Snape from the Harry Potter series. Severus Snape is definitely a morally great character because throughout the books, from Sorcerer's Stone to the Deathly Hallows, you just never know what Snape is up to. As my yearly Halloween tradition, I like to reread Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It's my favorite book of the whole series. And you think that he's just a bully. You know, he's just this mean guy. He's just one of the meanest. He is the meanest teacher at Hogwarts. He doesn't like Harry at all. We don't know, understand, or get why he is the way he is. And you honestly think that he's the person that's doing all the things that's going on in the school. Which would make sense. Because he just gives off, you know, evil main character type of energy when he walks into a room. One of my favorite lines of Snape is actually, they actually use it in the movie, the Harry Potter series. You know, there'll be no foolish wand waving or silly incantations in this class. And he just goes in on Harry about not knowing anything to do with potions like day one of school. And it's like, can you give the guy a break? Like it's day one. No, he's not going to know all the answers to these questions that you're asking. And so yeah, he gives off bad guy energy, but as it turns out, he wasn't the villain. It was actually someone completely different. It was Professor Quill, who was the main villain, who was being used by Voldemort, and Snape was trying to stop him. So yeah, it, it, he has that morally great character because you just, you, we, what? Hold on. And every single book, we always do this. We always blame Snape for everything. At least Harry does. And because Harry does, we blame him too. But it turns out he's actually on our side. Kind of, sort of. And again, you just never know the motivation. But until we get to Deathly Hallows, then we figure it out. Okay, he was in love with Harry's mom. That's why he feels so connected to Harry. And But Harry's dad bullied him all throughout school. So that's why he is the way to understand more backstory. And it gives such a more interesting time arc too. I mean, yes, he did kill Dumbledore. Spoiler alert. Well, he did it because Dumbledore asked him to. So that... Do you see what I mean? Complicated character. Honestly, he started out as my least favorite character of the series. By the end, he was like one of my favorites. He was a double agent. He had just a great backstory. He was actually a good guy underneath it all. Always. Harry Potter fans, if you know, you know. Oh, and also, if you didn't know, Harry Potter series by the author J.K. Rowling. Alright, so, morally gray man number two. We're just going to focus on the men this week. So, number two is Daemon Targaryen. 
we're mainly focusing on the text from Fire and Blood by George R.R. R. Martin. Now, Damon Tarkarian is a fairly interesting character. I was just recently reading it just for fun because the Dance of the Dragons um, TV series had just come out. And so I wanted to read the book before I watched it, just so I can kind of do the comparison. You know, always read the book before you watch the TV show or the movie because they always leave things out, which, yeah. I mean, Matt Smith does an amazing job as Damon Targaryen. Now, Damon Targaryen is the younger bro brother of King Viserys. Um, he is described as being incredibly charming as he was hot-headed. Uh, Prince Damon had earned a knight's bird by 6 and 10 for 16. He had been given the sword Dark Sister by the old king, who was himself in recognition of his great power on the, the battlefield. He was described as being extremely moody, tall, long blonde hair, the Targaryen with bright purple eyes. You know, he, again, another morally great character. You never really know what he's going to do because he's just that impulsive. And that makes him incredibly dangerous. Especially because the council people, especially Hightower, Otto Hightower, who's the hand for the king, tries to get rid of him as soon as possible or keep him away from King's Landing, away from the king, because he's just that spontaneous youth that just does anything he wants. Case in point, when he was named Lord Commander, he just went through the city. Lord Commander, like a king's watchman. Now, as Lord Commander, he's basically in control of all of like, the security around the king, but also of all King's Landing as well to make sure that the rules are being and laws are being set in place. But when he becomes Lord Commander, he just goes through the city and if someone has so much as a whiff of a crime on him, whether he was a thief, a rapist or whatnot, he was just going through and just axing people's arms off, limbs off, and it was just like mayhem. It's like, okay, we see you taking this job a little too serious. He allegedly killed one of his wives um, for political advantage. And actually, George R. R. Martin even said, even before the TV show came out, was like, I don't understand why people like this character. He's not a good guy. I mean, yeah, he's charming and all, but it, he really was confused why fans really like this character because he does a lot, a lot of bad things. He kills his wife. He marries his niece. Yes, he marries his brother's daughter for power and because he loved her too i mean it is house of the dragon but yeah incest ew but yeah again it's that morally gray you know compass you know yeah he's a bad guy but at least he looks good while he does it not healthy let's be clear this is not healthy at all but ooh, if you thought that was unhealthy wait till you hear about these next two but both actually three yes next three but before we do that, we're going to take a quick little uh, a quick pause, then we'll come right back. So stay tuned. It's that time of the month. Aunt Flo is in town. Y'all know what I mean, especially the ladies of the podcast. These are all the euphemisms that we use to state that your period is on its way. I am a woman who used to suffer from extremely painful periods that kept me up at night, kept me in bed so I couldn't go to work. That was all changed. And that's when I found some mean supplements. Our bodies fluctuate from day to day, week to week, month to month. So we need natural supplements that help support these hormones. And the supplements that they offer are the Daily Hormone Balance, which provides more energy, better moods, reduced cravings. Key ingredients include grape seed extract, passion flower, the vitamin complex, magnesium, and zinc. There is also the PMS Period Support, which you use before your period to avoid bloating, have reduced cramping, and 
fewer mood swings. Key ingredients include green tea and vitamin D. There's also the urinary tract cleanse and protects your urinary system. Key ingredients are your cranberry juice extract. And then there's also the prebiotic for women for better gut health, soothes, soothes the intestines, and reduces bloating. And lastly, there's the menopause essentials which helps to have fewer hot flashes, better sleep, and more stable moods. Me personally, I use the daily supplement and the PMS period supplement. And I must say for the first time in my life since starting my period at the age of 15, both these supplements have helped reduce my pain ridiculously. I no longer get those stabbing pains anymore. So obviously I use the daily supplement on a daily basis and then two to three days before my period is set to start, I use the PMS support to help with those uncomfortable mood swings and cravings that we all get during that time. I owe all of this wonderfulness to Samane. So for more information about it or to order your first bottle, go to SamaneHealth.com. That is S-E-M-A-I-N-E Health, H-E-A-L-T-H.com. Go ahead on over to that website and use the promo code wellness through reading to get 20% off your first bottle. Periods are normal, but the pain should not. the episode all right we've had number one and number two now onward to number three and that will be the billionaire himself mr christian gray from the 50 shades of gray series now i'm not gonna lie i was a little apprehensive about reading this you know dark romance novels Uh, i've never been a romance person but this book this character is what drew me into it now, he, this book, the series is written by E.L. James, and Christian Grey is basically a very rich, very wealthy, well, rich, wealthy, total difference, billionaire, who's in, in some very interesting bedroom activity, shall we say. This book took over the world. Women everywhere and men were reading this book like crazy. I went to the dentist one time, and literally every other woman had that book in her hand and was reading it, and I was like, okay, you know what, I'm gonna read it too. And I just got the first book. There's three books in the series. One is Fifty Shades of Grey. Second is Fifty Shades, Fifty Shades Darker, and then the third is Fifty Shades Free. I'm telling you, after that first book, I immediately went and got the second one and started reading because it ends on such a huge cliffhanger that you just you gotta find out what happens. So, Christian Grey, morally gray man, absolutely, hundred percent yes. In life, he looks like the great hero, you know, a multi-billionaire. You know, he lives his lavish lifestyle. He looks like all things were going good in his life. But behind closed doors, like I said, interesting, very bondage, BDSM um, bedroom activities. Go Google it if you don't know what that means. But honestly, all of that stems from a very rough childhood. You know, he was abused as a child. So then he met a woman who got him into this lifestyle and then so on and so forth. So yeah, we have a dark romance, morally gray man. Which leads us to number four, Morally Gray Man. And we're talking about Zayden Ryerson of the Fourth Wing. Now, I did a brief book review on this one last week. But, ooh, babies, he definitely Morally Gray. So, this is, I'll say he's probably like the definite. Nah. He's number four on the list, but he's up there as far as Morally Gray Man, I will say. He is the main antagonist, so we think, towards Violet Soaringale. Upon meeting, they just don't like each other. 
because of what their parents went through. Let me explain. Fourth wing is set in a fantasy world filled with dragons, Gryffindor, Griffins, not Gryffindor, Griffins, and so on. So basically, there's been this ongoing war between these two kingdoms on the continent. The Navarre is where Zayn Rars and Violet Sword and Geralt live, and then there's Primador, which is the enemy rival, a kingdom. Now, Tyrandor, where Zayn Rars and lives, is on the border of this, so that comes important later on in the story. I think. I don't know. Iron Flame hasn't come out yet, so we're still waiting to see what's going on there. But anyway, the reason why they don't get along at first is because there was this great rebellion that happened where the providence of Tyrandor tried to pull away from the rest of Navarre. And so this huge war was fought, huge civil war. The Tyrandors eventually lost, and all the rebellious leaders of that of the Tyrish rebellion uh, were all basically put to death. And their children not only were made to watch their parents' execution, terrible, horrible, OMG, but also they were basically branded by a dragon with these huge rebellion marks all over their bodies, basically stating to anyone who sees them that they're from Tyrandor and they are either children of the rebellious leaders who basically, basically it's like a warning sign, do not trust this person. So basically since he was like 13, he's been marked with this and it's just you you feel for him because it's like that wasn't him who did it it was his father who did it his father was colonel rios and he was the one that basically led the rebellion so everyone's been gunning for him ever since he was a child so you feel for this guy like he didn't mean to do this but he kind of come has this very cold stance and honestly you understand why though so many people have been so freaking mean to him his whole life he probably does have some cruel like tendencies but going back to why they don't like each other is because Violet's mother, General Lilibeth Sorengale, was the one who oversaw his father's execution. So yeah, there's a whole lot of tension there. Not just, you know, enemy tension, but also a lot of sexual tension as well too, because Violet is sprung. Oh, Zaydenberg has got her feeling things she never thought she would. I'm telling you. He is also the dragon rider of one of the most rarest dragons, a blue dragon. And she's just as, her name is Sigail, and she is as ruthless, and she is cunning, and she is scary, and she is also bonded to Violet's dragon. Spoiler alert. So that makes it even more awkward. Not only are we enemies, but now our dragons are basically a mated pair. And in this kingdom, and in this fantasy world mated pair of dragons cannot be separated for long otherwise their powers begin to diminish so basically they're stuck together for life so they're gonna have to find a way to get along interesting but trust me violet can't stay away for long oh no so yeah zane virus has got some things there i mean he does give violet a very hard time you know there one instance in particular violet the during the writer's quadrant is what we call it but going back a little further the guy who was skeptical this is kind of important for the storyline so here we go they are all attending this college called Bathgaiath College Bathgaiath War College where basically all the 20 year olds go to and it's divided into four parts there is the writer's quadrant there is the scribe quadrant there is the healer quadrant and then there is the infantry so Violet and Zayden are both in the writer's quadrant and a part of the writer's quadrant is that there is basically a dueling day where they each have to fight each other to go that way they can strengthen their fighting skills but also to kind of weed out the weaklings as well so on one particular day uh, violet is challenged to the match is what they call it 
and Zayden stepped and there was no challengers that day because the person got sick. Sideboat, the person got sick because Violet was poisoning her opponent prior to them hitting the match, which honestly, some people might say it's cheating. I say it, tell us smart. Go girl, do what you gotta do to survive. But then Ryerson steps to the mat and the poor girl's heart just sinks to the bottom of her stirrup. Like this dude is six foot four. Violet is like five foot four. Like there's no way she's winning this. But instead of killing her, which is what she thought he was gonna do, he's actually teaching her how to fight. So it's like, hold up, wait a minute. It's one of those moments. And all the great characters have that where it's like you they do the exact opposite of what you think they will do. Here's another point with Zayden. They now a part of the rules of this world is that people marked with the rebellion route like Zayden are not allowed to form in groups of three or more. Otherwise they think they're conspiring. Yeah, this government is very paranoid. So you start learning very early on that there's some issues going on there. More on that in another episode. When Iron Flame comes out on November 7th. Still waiting. But hey, back to the story. So, Violet is going out, gathering the berries and whatnot that she needs to poison her appointments for the math duels. And so, she is actually up in a tree somewhere in the middle of the forest that's on the college grounds, picking up berries and whatnot. And she looks down and she sees a group of rebellion-marked individuals having basically a powwow meeting. And Zayden Ryers is there and he's leading it. And, he's all, and basically, it's upperclassmen talking to the younger classmen. How are you guys doing? who's getting their butts kicked basically on the mat how are you guys doing with your studies and he's basically helping them he's training them so it's like there's some good tendencies there he wants to see the people of his providence not only of his providence but people marked with this rebellion marked like him do well so there's some good characteristics as well too even though he's torturing violet and he's like basically scaring the crap out of her he's got some good tendencies there so again that morally gray He's not black or white, it's gray. That's what we like about him. Now, Zayden Ryerson is definitely up there among the greatest of morally gray men that I've read recently. You know, this may be different, this is my list. But the Mac Daddy of them all is Zayd Meadows. From the book series Haunting and Hunting Adeline. This series was written by H.D. Carlton. I saw these books first on TikTok and I don't typically like really, really dark romance novels because I, it, it's too much triggering for me. Honestly, there were some chapters in this I just couldn't read. Like literally half of the second part, second book, I couldn't read. Like no, the first half of it, I could not read. I got to the part at the end. And honestly, that was just for my own mental health because there's this huge trigger warning at the beginning of each book that basically said, for your mental health, there are these type of things on this page. And I'm like, do I really want to go there? But honestly, the curiosity killed, like they said, curiosity killed the cat. I was very curious. I wanted to know, why should you warn me about this? What's going on here? And that's the thing with morally great characters that makes them so interesting and makes you want to read them. Because it's like, why are you like this? Why dare you do this? Why shouldn't I read you? Why shouldn't I trust you? I think that's just human human nature. We want to go towards curiosity. We are forever students learning about the world in which we live in. That's how I always see it. And so it becomes just more fascinating to read that you just, you can't literally, lack of a better term, 
read what they're about to do next. And Zade Meadows is one of them. Zade Meadows is basically stalking Adeline. Let me say that again. He is a stalker. But yet we look at him as a hero because he goes around and what he does for a living is that he helps rescue, you know, small children, young girls and women who have been kidnapped by cult leaders and brings them back to their families. Now that's what he does for his technically nighttime job, which is very admirable. I mean, oh my goodness, he has a whole network called Z where he goes around the world and saves people. But yet he's stalking this woman. Why? We don't know. He knows what it feels like for women and children to be stopped because he goes after and actually does murder people who does this. But he's a good person. But then he does that. And so you're just confused. At least I am. I was very confused. I'm like, oh my god. Like, can they add to myself? He's fictional. He's fictional. He's fictional. Pray to God no one like this exorcist in this world because while he does some good, he's also a murderer. He's also a stalker. He's also breaking in, doing things illegally. He's also accessing things he should not be. And yeah, again, morally gray. But he's... There are moments where it just makes you go... It just melts your heart. Now, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. In book two, which is Hunting Adeline, the second half... Now, the first half of the book, she gets kidnapped by a cult leader herself. And goes through all types of abuse and whatnot. And that's the part I couldn't read. The second half, she does get rescued. Zay does find her. He does rescue her. Hallelujah. But it takes him like 200 pages in to find her. I digress. But as she's starting to feel like herself after being rescued, he goes out and gets her ice cream. And this is the part that really just melted my heart. And he asked her, like, what kind of ice cream do you like? She's like, no chocolate chip. And he's like, oh, it's a toothpaste. She's like, no, it's not toothpaste. Like, is toothpaste and so he goes in the store gets her ice cream and then he comes back and he also has mint chocolate chip and she's like i thought you didn't like it he's like i like you does that matter again your heart is conflicted that's such a sweet moment but the thing that he does is different let's just be thankful that he only exists in a book and not in real life and that you're saving him okay so there you go. Your five, at least my personal five favorite morally great characters. But what can we learn from this? What, as, as always, I like to walk away from my each episode with like a, not necessarily a lesson, but just what can we learn from? You know, it's not to be so hard on ourselves. That's what we can walk away with this. Because in life, we all have light and darkness within us. I am truly under the belief that no one is all true good, nobody's all true bad. On the outside, someone can be morally, can look morally good, but then we find out like a couple months later on TikTok that they did this horrible thing to this person. It's like, whoa, wow, you are really messed up. I mean, how many times do we see a, not that we should use celebrities as a moral parameter, but how many times do we see that where we automatically assume a celebrity who puts out all this positivity, so they must live a positive life at home. And then you something happens and they get canceled next week and it's like oh wow okay a stream moment i know and again we shouldn't use celebrities as a moral parameter for our own compasses but it just shows that life is just more complicated than the handsome you know morally righteous prince and the maniacal villain 
more of the great characters really help drive the story forward because you just never know what they're going to pull out of their hat. Are they going to help our protagonist? Are they going to hurt the protagonist? Are they going to keep the protagonist secret? Are they going to tell them? Why are they like this? What happened to them? And again, the story just goes on and on. Each of these books that I've read, the reason why I love these characters particularly, or at least I grew to love them, is because they really help to drive the story forward. They make it more complex, they add layers and levels to this game, and it just makes it more interesting. So, there you go. And as always, I like to end all my podcasts with a quote. And our quote today comes from Lisa Lee. And it goes, there is so much gray to every story. Nothing is so black and white. And with that, I thank you for tuning in to another episode of Wellness Through Reading. You can find me on Instagram at Wellness Through Reading. Also on TikTok under the same name, Wellness Through Reading. And we're also on YouTube as well, Wellness Through Reading. So as always, I wish you good wellness and good reading. Have a good day.